welcome in everyone. Welcome, welcome to yet another episode of the Buddhist Biohacker. We are creating conscious content for 1111D and my name is Lisa, your mystic guide, and I am very excited because we are, this is our very first show with my husband. We've never done a show together before. So welcome to my beautiful husband, Scott Gunshore. And I did say beautiful. <laughs> and we are excited because to give you guys some context before I announce our very first guest, um, Scott and I decided to create a music project called Pulsension. And it was really a combination of Scott being an expert drummer and myself being all woo-woo. So we thought, let's them together and do something for the planet and heal with music, but also talk about how healing music is. And we wanted to start with Led Zeppelin because Led Zeppelin's probably the reason that we're married. <laughs> and we <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure. And I guess I could let Scott tell the story, but I'm pretty sure he said when he saw that I had a Led Zeppelin four poster in my apartment on our second date, that that was probably sealed the deal for him. Um, but I also am excited because my dad's gonna pop in tonight and he took me to Page and Plant. It was one of the most amazing concerts. My dad did very well. My very first concert was Michael Jackson. So I really got lucky having a dad who loves music as much as my dad does. And so I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin all the time and know the words to every song. And they are so freaking spiritual. And welcome to everybody who's joining in the live. Please share in the live chat and welcome to all the members who are using all our fancy emojis we have. So I just wanted to give context to you guys. We're going to start. And I am really excited because when I met Scott, he told me all about drumming and all these things about drumming. And one of his favorite YouTubers is the Bonsalium cha channel. And we're here with Terry. So welcome, Terry. Hey, you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Lisa and Scott. We appreciate it, man. That's really, it's really nice of you to have me on. <laughs> well, we're excited because I love your channel and I don't know anything about drumming, but I probably know more now than I should after being with Scott for five years. But well, yeah, he's, you know, he'll hook you up. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Terry, I got a backstory. Is uh, we when when I went and met Lisa, and we we just had some conversations, and we're getting to know each other. And you know, it was one of those things like, well, you always wonder do you have similar uh, interests and and things that you're gonna rally around, and so. I went over to her apartment and she had these Zeppelin posters. So she's got that one picture there. We'll talk about a little bit more. Oh yeah. 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 I had a poster up when I walked in. I was like, are you kidding me? Is that, is that Zeppelin four right there? And uh, so, so since that time, we, it's, it's the thing that always we come back to and connect more and more on. And so, I showed her, I'm like, you gotta watch this guy. He's, it's like, it's like the guy you hang out with, you know, it's 100% authenticity and he nails bottom legs. It's like incredible, mind blowing. And there's this humor <laughs> injecting it. Like side, you know, you have these toss off comments that they, they just, uh, I don't even know were you a comedian or practicing comedian at any point? 
No, but you know what? I've I've determined that a, a sense of humor, it, it's a defense mechanism. <laughs> that, that to, it, it is. It's it's you know it's a defense mechanism. It's uh, and it's I mean not necessarily a conscious one. I mean I'm sure there's you know maybe people in jail if they're scared to death they're like wait what was that joke Ronnie told last week so he didn't get his butt kicked and the um, but no it really is it's it's I used to sometimes say like a sense of humor sometimes is is an apology up front for somebody when you feel like if you have really low self-esteem or you feel like you're an arsehole or something, you know, like the, the class cloud person. But no, I, I mean, I guess if I had some huevos, I probably might try to do an open mic or something, but I've never, I've, it's never occurred to me to walk up in front of people. Oh, <laughs> plan B. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? The so unknown comic. When I told her about you, I don't, I don't remember how many followers you had because it was a couple of years ago. How long yeah. have you been the channel uh i i started the first video i put up i think was in august of uh 08 so almost 13 years yeah yeah so it's been a while years ago and and now to look at what it's become it's incredible and uh it's thank you i mean and you well you, yeah you deserve you know every fan you get every follower and uh, I, I appreciate it thank you i appreciate so, it so lisa i'm i'll let you take over and I'll try not to step all over the conversation. <laughs> Please gig. Um, but can you tell Terry and the audience about the, the photo next to you? Because the, the irony is if you looked really close, I don't know if you could see, but it, it really resembles her. Well, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Like, like that's what I, like so, it almost looks like Stevie Nicks slash Lisa. Yeah, you know what I mean. So here's the funny oh, there we part. Go. I got you. Okay, okay. Was painted before the person met her, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my story about this. So I actually was in fashion before I did psychic work full time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I was the director of stores for Kid Robot, which is vinyl collector or art toys. So I ran all their stores and it's all street art. And oh, it's a it big was, gig. Yeah. And it was pretty wild. And I had stores from New York to LA and got to travel wow. a lot. And it was probably the most epic time of my life too, because I was single and I was just traveling and working all the time and meeting all these street artists. And Jermaine Rogers is a really well-known street artist. He's done a ton, a ton of artwork. I think tool posters and I mean, just you name it. I mean, he's just awesome and you guys can follow him everywhere. But Jermaine Rogers came and did a signing at one of my stores and he and I started talking and he's like, dang, he's like, because nobody, I didn't really like outwardly talk about what I do. I didn't tell everyone I was a psychic medium. And so he and I were talking and he starts talking about very spiritual stuff, like while we're hanging out after this art signing. And I was like, seems like you're pretty woo woo. And so I started telling him about what I did. Right, and right. We never actually talked about Led Zeppelin, which is really peculiar. So the next day, this was at our corporate office in Boulder, Colorado. Um, a man dropped something off on my desk, all rolled up. And it was Jermaine's assistant. And he said, Jermaine happened to have one of these prints with him. So he signed it for you. Yeah. He said it reminded him of you and he wanted you to have it. 
So it turns out Jermaine was actually asked by Led Zeppelin to do a poster art for one of their album re-releases. Oh, wow. Get out of here, really? Yeah. And so when you look at this, you can see the hermit, you know, the hermits up here. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And this this person is is not supposed to be a woman, I don't think. I actually think it's supposed to be like Robert Plant, maybe. Um, but it has all the symbolism in it. Roberta Plant. Yeah, and then it has a tarot card, which is something that I read. So it's yeah. pretty, it was just really epic. It was like one of those things, and he signed it, which you can't see because it's totally in pencil. But you guys can see the symbols, of course. Oh, totally. yeah, yeah. So oh, nice. it was just this wild thing where it was like crazy stuff happens in your life. And yeah. I was like, holy cow, I can't believe he had happened to have it in this suitcase. Um, and so, and what's even more incredible is back in 2009, I wrote mm -hmm. a piece about Stairway to Heaven because, and this is where we're going to get all nerdy. And this is where I need the two of you to bring all your knowledge because what I realized in 2009 is that the Stairway to Heaven lyrics is really the pathway to self-realization. And so I wrote this whole article. You guys can actually find it on my blog at lisamgunshore.com. It's called Stairway to Heaven. It's really mm -hmm. awesome. And I was like really into the fact I went through every single stanza of lyrics and talked about how our planet is changing. And it's all there. And it talks about that path to self-realization, just like there's there's this lady we all know, you know, this idea of the divine feminine and all of these incredible things. So it really got me to thinking about what the heck is behind this. And what's even weirder is that the cover of Led Zeppelin four is the 10 of wands from the Tarot. And then the hermit is like the symbol, which is another, that's the nine um, in the major arcana in the Tarot. So it really got me thinking like, what's going on here? Like these guys knew some stuff and I yeah. found out some cool information. We were even talking about it today, but I do kind of want to share this with you guys and then get uh, Terry, you and Scott's take on this. Cause it's pretty rad. Like if you look at, so I'm going to share my screens. So, yeah. 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 So this is, this is the cover of Led Zeppelin four. You can see this man, he's burdened. He's carrying all these sticks on his back. Yeah. And if you look at the 10 of wands in the tarot, see here, I'm going to pull this up. This is the traditional 10 of wands in the tarot. So it's very, oh, very I see. Okay. Okay. similar, very similar. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, you have the hermit. And when you look at the 10 of wands, it's all about burden and, and carrying a heavy load and the hermit is about when you realize kind of that the heavy load can be released because you're you're looking at yourself and it's self-realization so yeah very interesting thing so i want to get you guys talking i've got some info i found today about what uh jimmy page had to say about all this oh yeah um, okay yeah, yeah but i'm curious what you guys have to say like i don't even care where we go with it i just think it's fascinating their their symbolism and their their spirituality um, it, 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 you know, the funny thing about, you know, Sarah to heaven is, you know, it, it's really, that's really a song that I think when you, when you hear like when they were recording it, I mean, you know, they didn't have any idea, like people used to say to like John Paul Jones would say, you know, what was it like when you were recording Sarah to heaven? They're like, well, it was just another song. You know, we didn't know it was a session date and we're, you know, overdubbed, you know, 
But um, you know, Robert Plant would be a hell of a guy to talk to about that because he's a he's a card carrying <laughs> he, he's a he's a he's a folky, he's a card carrying folky. You know what I mean? Who almost mm -hmm. like like uh passed himself off as like you know the golden haired guy, but he was a folky man standing in front of you know three of the best musicians around, you know. And um yeah, I don't know. I think that's 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 neat though. You know, I've never really paid that much attention to the lyrics. Like people always blow me a lot of crap because with music, I don't really listen to the lyrics unless it's often a core. To me, the lyrics are just the skeleton that the 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 melody hangs on. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, I know, and that drives people crazy sometimes. I'll be in you know bands for years. I'll be like, yeah, and we get to the part that says, yeah, and the cheese is all wicked. They're like, the cheese is not wicked. It says the mise is ficked. You know what the hell's the matter with you? We played the song, fight. You know, like I I don't even know the lyrics even after I've been in year in bands for years and years and years. What, um, what I love about that is that is a total drummer response. But do you know what I mean? Are you kind of the, I mean, I don't, to me, it's just, they might as well, it's just they're singing. I don't care what words they're using to frame the melody. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's, certain, there's certain things I I'd say, I'd say for Led Zeppelin, I paid more attention to the lyrics. I'm a big yes fan. Mm -hmm. I like John Anderson's lyrics. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of that era. Um, but I agree with you in that, uh, Sometimes it's like carrying a, a mood or an emotion even more than a, a logical meaning. Yeah, right, right. Sometimes it's it's um, the feeling that hits you when you're hearing the, the lyrics. You're not necessarily taking in every word that they're saying. Yeah, right, right. But I'm curious, too, with, uh, with all of that stuff and everyone knows what, um, you know, what, what kind of, things Paige was digging into do you think there do you think all four of them kind of weighed in with some of the mysticism or do you think it was really driven by maybe just Paige and Plant or maybe just Paige and Plant just wrote lyrics that kind of chased the theme well you know I think what happened with Zeppelin was is Jimmy Page really wanted to, to, you know, he saw the success that Cream had had in some of these bands and he wanted to put together like a power trio. But in the end, I think they ended up doing four, you know, I will get a guy that just sings, he plays harmonica too. Um, but on, on the front end, I think Jimmy Page, you know, when, when Robert Plant, I remember Jimmy Page saying when Robert Plant got comfortable writing lyrics, it was great, you know, because I think, I think mostly, I guess what I'm saying to that question is I think it's Jimmy Page and Robert Plant are very, you know, or, or, or were are very spiritual that way. They used to go off and they, I can't, I can't, I can't pronounce the name of the cottage. We always call it Bronny, Bronner, yeah, but, yeah. but there's some Gaelic prince. <laughs> I always think of the, the 30 Rock where they talk about the rural juror. Remember the rural <laughs> juror, the show she was on? People are like, the what? And I think a Bronner, you know, but that's where they used to go off. And, and it's not, I think with Zeppelin, you know, they were very, you know, a lot of those bands when they wrote this, so they weren't necessarily, you know, they were really, you know, just letting it sort of flow out. You know, I, I know that Robert Plant or Jimmy Page said that the lyrics came, I think, pretty fast to Robert Plant. There are a couple, there is a run through or two when you hear some, um, you know, you can get your hands on some of the bootlegs of Zeppelin when they're when they're getting ready to track or rehearse. Um, you know, in the old days, you know, they there was one called like tangible vandalism, which was like physical graffiti, but they put their little spin on, you know, tangible physical and, you know, where you can hear them um, going over sort of Stairway to Heaven. And the lyrics are a little different, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, 
and and the song is almost like um you know it's just it's just interesting to hear that because you're so used to hearing stairway to heaven when it's done i mean stairway to heaven as is is a song it's 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 in itself almost an institution do you know i mean this the, the studio recording of stairway to heaven is almost like it, 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 you almost don't want to know any secrets behind it. You know, you don't want to look behind the curtain. You know, you know what I mean. Although I do, you know, I'd love to go back and see what symbols Robert or John, you know, John Bonham had on his drums at the time, and you know how many different takes they did of this. Or, um, but I think that, um, you know, there's all. You know, it's funny though. There are a lot of there are certain lines in that song that always stood out. Like I always loved the line. There's a feeling I get when I look to the west. And, you know, and the funny thing was, is that because our kitchen used to face, well, when I grew up, the house still faces, you know, the, the kitchen faces west. And west is, you know, there's something about west. Do you know what I mean? The direction, you know, the sunset. and, um, But I've never really read, you know, too much into the, the lyrics proper of that or any song. But I do know, you know, one thing really with Stairway to Heaven that is so neat is Jimmy Page often describes it as he wanted to do something that's sped up. And I know I've now for me that's a little poor choice of words because I think what he meant was maybe something that something that goes from point A to point Z, it goes faster, it gets more intense, it gets more emotive, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, he Jimmy Page set out to do that. You know, that was a thing they really wanted to do. And um and, and I think they succeeded, man. I mean, Stairway to Heaven. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a great tune. And if and if if it if it is like with music, if if music is some sort of a emulsifier or i don't know solvent to try to you know sometimes with music you can you can say more in, in a few bars of music than you can in paragraphs and paragraphs of words do you know what i mean and and maybe i think sir what Evans seems to have both of that it, it's great music it's done just right and then you have the lyrics so yep. what was your first album zeppelin album that you like listened to through and, and like it hit you like this on a brick? well when I was really, really young, we had at the house, my dad, we had albums, and I remember we had this freaking song. What was this song? Seasons in the Sun. Oh. We were da-da-da-da, we had Seasons in the Sun. And I, you know, sometimes I like to think that that song sometimes uh, almost put a curse on me. If you listen to the lyrics, it's pretty effing sad, you know what I mean? You know, like, you know, goodbye, dad, it's hard to die. You know, I remember li yeah. suddenly maybe that's where all my, all my, all my, disorders stem from that freaking song but it was just but i remember looking suddenly at other records and we had some monkey stuff like we we literally had some monkeys and i remember being devastated that the monkeys fan club had closed we had my dad had a bunch of elton john uh, but i will say as far as zeppelin goes um i'd heard you know stairway to heaven you know so many times and my brother had i think three or four zeppelin vinyl albums he had zeppelin uh four uh, Houses of the Holy, the song remains the same, the live one, and um, maybe Zeppelin one, I forget, because I ended up buying like physical graffiti and in through the outdoor and stuff. But but I would say yes. And then what happened was, is I remember listening to Stairway to Heaven. I think just Stairway to Heaven. Like at that time, I would only listen to Stairway to Heaven over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Um, and in those days, if I remember, was Stairway to Heaven. The last song on the first side mm -hmm. on the vinyl, I forget. But you know what? It always happened. You try to drop the needle, and you'd always catch the tail of the end of the song before it. So eventually, then you'd slide in, you'd listen a little earlier than the tail, and then eventually, you'd listen to that song. 
and then listening to that song. Then eventually, the way after a month, I'd eventually listen to the whole record. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think that that is a great, great record. I think that, you know, that's 1971, November of 71. And a lot of real seminal, a lot of real cool music came out in like the fall of 71. You know what I mean? Um, Am I just babbling? I, I no, hope I'm not I love babbling. it. Go, go for it, man. <laughs> no, no, but but I just like I remember listening to, um, uh, uh, you know, listening to you know going to California and and uh, uh, Misty Mountain Hop and um, uh, you know when the levee breaks and stuff and um, so but yeah, so that was probably the first Zeppelin record I probably really listened to was Zeppelin Four because of the song "Stay to Heaven" when I was. Five or six years old, maybe, or seven, maybe. How about know? first song you tried to play on the drums? And how old were you? Well, you know what actually what happened with Zeppelin was, is I, you know, you'd hear you'd hear it on the radio all the time. You know, back in those days, you'd always hear Cashmere. You'd always hear Stairway to Heaven. When 1979 rolled around, you always heard Fool in the Rain was all over the place. You heard a whole lot of love all the time. And um, I think the what happened was, is I didn't start playing drums until 1982. My friend Darren Shoneman had he's like terry i got a drum set you got to come over i know you love the drums let's play you know i play guitar and we went over and we used to he used to make up songs i would sit and i didn't have a bass drum so what i did was i just had two tom toms a floor tom and a snare and a cymbal and what i did is i put a towel on the floor tom and so i would play the ride with my left arm and go like boom ba boom boom ba boom boom ba. so i'd play the bass drum that way um and we would pretend like we were Led Zeppelin. Like we made the stage look like Madison Square Garden in 1973. There's a little glitter on the stage. He had like his fuzz box. He made himself like a dragon suit. Um, and, uh, you know, but it was, yeah, I don't know. I, I, th I think the first song, because what happened was I eventually got my hands. My dad was in, was in news, TV news. So we had this tape recorder that I used to then, I found, a, I probably recorded all, all over all these tapes that I shouldn't have recorded over. But it was it was probably from the mid '60s, late '60s. It had a little micro. It looked like a pack of cigarettes. The microphone that set on legs and a little cord. And I would go down to my cousin's house, or in our house too. And I would just listen to the the loop or WF or W at the time WMET. And I would set the microphone in front of the speaker and I wait for a song to come on that I wanted to tape. So if I heard the DJ saying like, "All right, you know, you're not coming up, Cashmere," I'd hit record. You know what I mean? So then I had it actually on. What I think was maybe, I guess it was quarter inch tape, I suppose. But the first song I probably actually played along to was probably Cashmere, maybe. I think Blair, just because it was kind of so, you know, straightforward. Yeah. You know, till you get to that one part, da -da 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 -da, which threw them off sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like there's that show where John Paul Jones totally gets caught with his pants down. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy Page and John Bottom do the change. You know, and <laughs> and drop all Jones just like, dun, 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 dun. and he finally just sort of stops, and I think he sort of sits there like, God, here we are in front of twenty two thousand people <laughs> at the forum or whatever, and I don't know what the hell. It's pretty funny to listen to my George Flutus. You guys know George? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He turned me out. You know, George is like, George is like the Zeppelin fan. I'm telling you, he's like, uh, he's like the the triple. What are they like? The triple crown. The hat, he, he's 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 a total expert on John Bottom. He's a total expert on everything Zeppelin. He's a full blast. He's a, he's a totally professional drummer. He's been playing drums professionally for, I think, thirty five of his fifty two years. Um, and he, there's nobody that plays Bottom or tunes a drum set 
better than Bonham than George Flutus. Yeah. And that is a fact. I mean, I'm just you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. He well, just does. Had her dad uh, watch the uh, video clip. I said he watched this guy play an entire Led Zeppelin concert from start to finish, like the whole thing. Totally, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's it's and and he could probably do that. And I'm not exaggerating that much. Even if he didn't listen to it while he played it, he could probably sit and say from his memory. Now I'm exaggerating. If I we were going to say like a show of him, like hand, but I, but there, a George is probably familiar with enough stuff where if he wanted to, he probably could. It's almost like that. What's the game where you memorize the patterns? Like bam, bam, yeah, Simon says. That's what happens when you're really interested in something like that. You remember it kind of like that, you know. Um, like I'm, I'm, I know like the song remains the same lives up and record, even though it's a compendium of like the three different nights. I know that even after all this time, like the back of my hand, even though I haven't heard it in its entirety for 20 years. Um, and, but George is like that probably, I'd say with probably at least a good 10 or 15 live recordings and the skill required to do that is unbelievable. You got to have a great memory, but you also too have the, have to have the ability to translate it properly. Like there's a lot of like the reason why I got into videos making, you know, I saw people doing like fool in the rain videos, but they just weren't playing it right. You know, like I saw Steve Smith, the drummer for journey. God love him. A great drummer. You know, he's a great educator. He's, but he was in a video. He was like, and here's fool in the rain, but he wasn't playing fool in the rain. He was playing something harder and more, more like a, you know, Rosanna shuffle more, you know, like a, but it certainly wasn't food. And I just thought, like, you know, I just didn't like how people would steamroll over that. So I'm like, what I'm going to do, well, let me just put a couple of these videos up and just see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I – how, how it started for you? Like, so I'm, I'm interested in, like, walk me through how you got to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, true John Bottom, break it down – Here's what, he, here's what I figured out that he does. Like, at what point did you decide well, to start making videos to do that? Just well, just to, to, to be a 100% honest, the most rabid Led Zeppelin fan I ever was was probably from about 1980 to maybe 86. Um, and... Yeah. And what happened was, is when I made the video in 2008, I just, what I did is I made three videos. I played the intro to rock and roll. I didn't say anything. I just sat down and I just did. I played the intro to rock and roll. I played a little bit of the, the verse beat from Fool in the Rain, then a little bit of the sort of like the bridge chorus kind of, you know, on the bell. And then I did the crunch, which by the way is wrong. I was playing the crunch improperly, but I just threw those three videos out and people kind of started to like them. So I started making more. But then an interesting thing happened is people started asking about stuff. Now I'm I'm obsessive. I have you know I'm OC. So there are times when people would ask questions about certain things that would I'd get a little hairy for me because then I have to think to myself like okay do I now want to this question this person is asking yeah. about this song, which I think I know what they're doing. I have a pretty good set of ears. Do I want to go down the rabbit hole of learning it now? Now, right off the bat, somebody might say, well, come on, you know, don't be lazy. You know, just go to, well, the thing is, if anybody who kind of seriously has some OC, it's not necessarily the most pleasant feeling to, to feel like, all right, in the next hour, I have to have this done or the world's going to blow up. You know, like that kind mm -hmm. of a thought, you know, yeah. you're not that, you know, the world really won't blow up, but you're like, all right, well, if I'm supposedly Mr. Zeppelin, I have to, you know, so yeah. 
it, there were certain things that were, you know, I would, I'd be very grateful if somebody said, well, hey, the, 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 the end of rock and roll. I'm like, well, I know how that goes. I'll make that video real fast. You know what I mean? But then somebody might be like, well, well, Terry, you know, what is Bonham doing on like, like one of the hardest ones that I found was like, um, what's the, uh, Bob, Bob, Zeppelin fans are going to kill me now for not knowing the name of the song, but Zeppelin three. No, not Brian, but it, but it's, but it's, God, what is the song? Uh, da, 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 hangman, hangman, hang. Oh my God, Gallows Pulp. Yeah. And you know, and I, but see, the thing is, that's why I got to tell you, there was a time, and I'm dead serious, in like 2016, where I kind of felt like, uh, like I was going to have to like level with my Led Zeppelin fans, fellow fans, and say, listen, you guys, I got to tell you, I, you know, I, I, there, there are some Zeppelin, like I, if somebody says to me, Terry. Uh, you know, this concert, you know, especially now at the internet, there's all these concerts. Somebody's like, Hey man, I got a full Osaka, you know, and these shows, I mean, something they're killing it. The thought of me like spending, even if somebody said to me, Terry, you know, I'm from the Led Zeppelin foundation, we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars a year to dissect these 40 shows, do it at your own pace, make videos on what you think he's doing. I'd still kind of be like, I, I would, I, I, because it's, I, there's like a, there's like an O. So my point is, is that when George came along, I was almost like, it was like, yes, like <laughs> I am the chocolate. He is the peanut butter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? So, um, no, but so what happened was I just started making videos like that and I did another one, then I did another one, and then I thought I'd do this. And then I started listening to more Zep again. I'm like, well, I should probably get back into more listen. I mean, I know it, you know, like there's so many things you just know when you hear the song. You know, I mean, it's so ingrained in my head, but I started listening to it again, not just to go over it, just to make sure I didn't mess something up or because that happened a couple times too. I remember a time I was gonna make a video on a song and I didn't even listen to the song. I made the video, I uploaded it, it was up for four or five minutes. And then I was like, oh my God, that's, and I had to like get rid of it and redo it. And because I'm like, you know, so, but there's a lot to it. You know, there takes a lot of, um, it's a lot of work, you know, this, it's not easy, you know, and it's, um, you know, for people, you know, for me, or especially for like for George, who's so talented with it, when you're so interested in it and you love it so much, obviously it, it makes it so much easier because you're drawn to it and it's not work, you know, in a certain sense. Although I must confess for me sometimes with certain obscure Zeppelin stuff, the drum parts and stuff sometimes are a little work for me. And sometimes I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know what he did. Uh, you know, George, what do you think, buddy? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And George is like, well, this is what I think he's doing. And then, you know, sure enough, it sounds just like the freaking record, you know, or just like whatever bottom actually did. So, so now he got me thinking, or I'm curious, do you, are there other bands or other songs of bands you like where you have that attention to detail, where, where you obsess over how it's played or, or, or figuring it out, or, or did it just become a Zeppelin thing for you? Well, well, honestly, so much of my, I always appreciated the way you know, the funny thing about Zeppelin is, is that it almost seems like, um, you know, Bonham was really like, he's, he's really like the conductor for Zeppelin. Sometimes I feel like what would happen is when they'd settle on the arrangement, almost like George does it with the songs, 
like Bonham, or I'm going to go in real fast. I'll lay a couple takes down. And he just, sometimes when you hear him singing or, or you know, making those noises, it's almost like he's like, okay, guys, there's the five minute. Oh, put your stuff on top of it. And then Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones would know to how to play exactly to Bonham's time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there's no doubt that I'm sure that they track stuff. You know, sometimes it would just be Jimmy Page and jump on them, they go through it. But it almost, you know, but really it's, you can really just hear the way that um, it's with Zeppelin. It's almost like hearing an orchestra, but, it, but as a band, like that's why, like sometimes, you know, I will sometimes harp on the whole concept of a click track and a grid, not, not for sometimes the reason you think, I, I mean, you know, that's one thing too. Like if some, if you have a really good, and this is the thing that used to like free, like with the click track back in the day before digital edit, digital editing. Now you can flick a switch and sort of smooth it. Like, yeah, you played 75% and click. Now it's great. You know, well, in the old days with tape and stuff, you know, you had to be pretty damn good to play to a click. So the, if you, if you could play to one real well, you didn't need one for tempo's sake. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you know, sometimes they'd use it for scores or whatever. Um, but you know, it's, it's just weird with Zeppelin. It's just, it's very not to, I mean, I know the word is overused, but very organic. Do you know what I mean? Like when you listen to like Kara Salambra, you know, they bring, da, 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 bring it down here, da, da, bring it down here. It's not, we're just making that eighth note, a 16th and a, the, the whole, the whole tempo map is, is changed. You know, it'd almost be like when you hear symphonies, you know, you see a symphony set up. All right, everybody, you guys got a 104 in your headphones? Ding, ding. Yeah, all right, let's go. Let's do bait. You know, it doesn't work that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'd say the different bands you're talking about, yes. When I was younger, I used to really, really listen. And Beatles. I used to really – one thing that always stood out with me with Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and a little bit of Elton John was the difference in the sound quality of the stuff from early 60s to the early mid late seventies. Like I could, I remember thinking to myself, like, why does this sound different? Like, I remember when I first got into Zeppelin and heard stairway to heaven and when the levee breaks and stuff, it was so beefy. But then when I went back and I got Led Zeppelin one, you know, from 1968 and I put some of the songs on, I'm like, God, this, you know, this sounds so like, you know, that sixties kind of sound that I wasn't too hip to, you know what I mean? Like when you listen to like, like days confused, bam, like it just sounded corny kind of on the front end. But I would listen to certain, like I would just listen, like God, how do they put that together? And looking at like the at like the monkeys records and some of these records, you'd see the microphones they'd use in the studio. You'd see these massive RCA mics. And I always thought it was kind of funny looking, you know, you have this image when you're a kid that they record all these records with like four or five SM58s, you know what I mean? Just yeah, put them right. around the room wherever, you know, we'll run through it a couple of times and there it is, you know. And then you realize like the work involved of, of crafting a recording, you know, there, there, there's just so much to it apart from the musicianship or the song you have or where you put the microphone or this, you know, there's just a, a, a recorded song is like a fingerprint. It's, it's an artifact into it of itself. You know, that's why I was always so fascinated. Like, like now on YouTube, you can find all these different, you know, the, you know, the, a lot of these tracks, you know, there's drumless or a lot of bands put this stuff out with garage, not garage, but what is the thing rock band or whatever. So you can sort of listen to the, the individual stuff. I'm fascinated by that stuff, but I'd say I probably put the same attention on detail to, to the Beatles early on. Definitely the police. I'm a huge police fan. Um, and not just for Copeland. I'll tell you, you know, sting, 
is an is an error is an arrogant guy. I think I, I I do I but you know but the fact of the matter is that guy is so talented that he you know he can afford to be. You know I think that he really probably when he was growing up he you know he was he was very erudite. He probably read a lot. He probably grew up with a lot of people that you know you know he he liked and respected but kind of was like boy man it would have been great to go off to university. You know what I mean? And then as he got older, ironically he had to sort of play a punk. He had to play sort of a role to achieve the the end to get the means to get what he wanted, you know, which is a fact. And he'll tell you, you know, Copeland, the guys will tell you, but really like the police, like I'd love to have like to interview like Hugh Padgham or Stuart Copeland, or of course, Jimmy Page or John Paul Jones, especially because John Paul Jones with the, you know, I, if I couldn't, I mean, I'd like to interview Robert Plant. That'd be great. But you know, Robert Plant, you know, he's a, he's a card carrying folky. He'd be like, oh, no, there was a microphone there. I don't know. I, it was silver, I think. I think it might have been plugged in. That's probably what Robert Plant would say, you know. <laughs> Jimmy Page would probably be suspicious and be like, well, you know, I don't know. We, you know, we used a ribbon mic and, you know. Um, <laughs> but, no, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I I mean, I love – that's why, like, with George and I and this guy, Billy Harrington, and some of my our buddies, you know, we're dying to find out, like, what happened to, like, Bonham's original gear. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's kind of a fun jaunt kind of thing to do, but we're also dead serious. You know, one of these days we might go to Jimmy Page's house. Ning dong. You know, there's a put a fake pimple here and the, he opens the door. And, Does this smell like chloroform? <laughs> you know what I mean? We're gonna find we're gonna find out. You know, Rupert Pumpkin, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we're gonna find out where all bottoms gear is, how many takes they did of this, you know what I mean? How well, many you know, you know, Terry, I am a psychic medium, so maybe I should just ask John myself and see what I can find out for us about where he put his gear. You know, you bottom, he'd probably say, you know, listen, Lisa, you got to take this guy and put him out of his misery. <laughs> That's probably what he'd tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, never, Here, take I, a sip I, of this, buddy. I, I did talk to David Bowie recently um, for my husband and some of his bandmates, but um, I've oh. never tried to talk to John Bonham. So maybe I will. And I'll report back to everybody because um, that might be an interesting conversation. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because I'm listening to you guys talk and I love it so much. And I'm definitely not a drummer. I am definitely a writer. So the lyrics are like everything to me. No, of course. And I don't mean to belittle that. No, no, you're that. fine. But, I, you know, I think the bigger thing that all of us are feeling, I'm going to bring my dad out too, because I think the, the thing about the spirituality and the music and the healing part of the music is even when we go, there's a really great... Um, cover band. Scott, what's the name of the band? What are they called? Is it Zoso? I think it's Zoso. Oh, is it a Zepp cover band? Yeah, a Zeppelin cover band. I think it's Zoso is the name. Yeah. And there's... We always mix, Lisa and I always mix them up, which is why I'm not going to I do too. I do. There's a lot of <laughs> Zepp cover bands. There are. Whatever one it is, I think it's Zoso. But um, when we go to see them, the, the energy and the passion and the it's an experience, you know, it's an experience, whether you're listening to the album or whether you're listening, you know, live. And this is my dad, Keith, for everybody out there. Oh, hey, and my, no, dad is, sure. my dad has seen, how many times have you seen Led Zeppelin or did I, you I've, see them? I saw Led Zeppelin five times and uh, I saw, of course, Page and Plant with Lisa, took Lisa to Page and Plant, which the Page and Plant, you know, talk about the quality of the uh, earlier recordings versus the the later ones, you know, same thing with the concerts. The Page and Plant concert was by far the best sounding concert yeah. and, and sounded true Led Zeppelin. I mean, j yeah. just have Page and Plant there. 
um, it, the the feel was the same as as the earlier concerts I thought so but uh, I was lucky to live in Denver and Denver had uh, Feline Productions Barry Fay uh, was tied in as as good with the music industry as anybody he could I think that what they said is he could sell tickets yeah, and that's right. why everybody came, you know, so the, the yeah. who and Zeppelin and all those people yeah. would always come to, to Denver for Barry Fay. So yeah, yeah. I actually had a, a stack of concert tickets in my bedroom growing up about uh, an inch and a half tall. And I used to know, you know, just by the seat number because they tear off the band name off the stub. But oh, yeah, you know, which, yeah. which band it was. But uh, yeah um you know so we we saw everybody but uh led zeppelin was always my favorite by far and i think it was you know i'm like you terry I, the lyrics you know i i guess i i can't always make them out totally you know get them wrong or whatever yeah uh, I, everybody will tell you now i don't hear so well i'm wearing hearing aids right now but i probably couldn't ever be probably because i sat in the front row for the who one time but yeah, 190 uh, decibels yeah <laughs> but uh, Led Zeppelin was, uh, th those were some memorable concerts. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin 4, that concert. Um, yes, uh, Stairway was the fourth song on side one. The first song was rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that concert, uh, I think I remember the best because it started off. Uh, so all the concerts started off, there was a, a an opening band, right? And they'd, they'd bring in somebody that, you know, was uh, pretty decent and they'd play for 45 minutes or something. And then they'd, they'd break while the, the main band got set up. Yeah. But this time we, we, we got to the concert at the Denver Coliseum and yeah, the uh, Coliseum. We, yeah, yeah. We looked on the stage and the, you know, from having the Led Zeppelin four album that had just come out, we saw all these, you know, symbols that were on the album up on the stage you know particularly bonham's drum set you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass drum. yeah 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 we thought what's going on uh led zeppelin is already set up and uh so eventually the lights went out and you know you're expecting maybe you know maybe you know some guy at the folk guitar is going to come out and play for a while but uh, the lights went completely dark and all of a sudden the drum set lit up uh you know he had the clear drum set at the time and Drum set lit up and it and was rock and roll started the concert. Oh yeah, yeah, he slayed it with rock and roll. It was just incredible because it just started off that way and and uh, continued to get better for the whole concert. So. Oh my God, man, I'd have that was a good one. That's wonderful. Oh my God, and you know, in Denver's the first, the first when they came in 1968, their very first concert in the United States, North America, was at was in was in Denver. Right, and I think that might have had not mistaken. a very fake connection. I know uh, the band that that uh, was the the main band was Vanilla Fudge, I believe. Yeah, right. Yeah, when they first came, sure. Yeah, they yeah, were. The and, and I can't remember the band that that they lost, uh, and they needed somebody to fill in. Well, I think actually maybe it wasn't they lost them. I think Vanilla Fudge pushed hard for Led Zeppelin. Uh, to Barry Faye, to, to Led Zeppelin to open up the concert. And I, I think they paid him some crazy amount, like $100 or something yeah, yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, a couple of the early on concerts of Led Zeppelin, I think it was uh, uh, maybe two, um, Jimmy Page got up there. And, and I think two of the concerts, he actually apologized to the people in Denver for that first concert. He said, you know, people were ready to throw stuff at him on the stage. Nobody understood it. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, they uh, uh, were trying to make up for that poor performance the first time. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, they did many times over. But, oh, man. Yeah, they uh, – that's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, But I, uh, I'm like you. I, the, the lyrics, you know, I, I, yeah, I like the lyrics, and I, I like it now that you can go to lyrics.com and you actually can – You're right. Totally. We're saying it's like, oh, he wasn't yeah. saying that at all. It was yeah. <laughs> I laugh at myself. I just, but, I just learned uh, Four Sticks lyrics recently, and I was like, I have no idea that those were any of the words to the song. It, as, as I get older, I, I go, I, I find myself, you know, I kind of re-examining, you know, like li listening lyrics. Like, oh God, that's what they're, you know, I mean, like totally, you know, like, like what's, uh, I used to like whoopee cat. I always thought that, um, what is the song? Uh, uh, na, 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 Misty Mountain Hop. Yeah. I always thought that Robert Plant said, so uh, uh, whoopee cat. I'm dead yeah. serious. Whoopie well, cat. The one I just recently looked up, and I, I can't remember the song. I think it's off five, but it, uh, it was. Uh, it was it's, there ain't no companion like a. I thought it was like a blue-eyed girl, right? It, it's a blue-eyed uh, Merle, you know, a dog. The blue. Uh, there ain't no companion like a blue-eyed Merle. He's talking about his dog and not a woman. So, you know, I just learned that one. But uh, your plan's pretty sharp, man. He he. Uh, again, he's a card-carrying folky. He you know he. Um, He's an interesting guy, you know what I mean. He's a uh, he's a spiritual guy, you know. Those you know, him and Jimmy Page, you know. I think Jimmy Page was like more into the occult, you know what I mean. Maybe it's almost. I'm sure it was probably kind of a hip thing to do, maybe in those days, or you know, to go down that route. Or but where I think you know, flat out Robert Plant, I think was just a, a total like like a hippie, as you'd say, mm -hmm. a total flower mm -hmm. child, you know what I mean, and. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I I do I I I happen with just with all kinds of bands going and and looking the lyrics up just to kind of see what it is. And right. I'm surprised a lot. I'm like, wow, that's pretty deep. I right, you know. Yeah, Eve commenting in the I? live chat. She said, "Damn," she said, "It's not Whoopi Cat." So apparently, <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi Cat. Uh, I really did. I thought it was Whoopi Cat. So oh my Probably god. Yeah list of 20 questions maybe we got to one of them because Darren and I are just ripping. Do you have uh, do you have stuff you wanted to talk specific questions you wanted to ask that I should you know what I love all this talk so I think where I want to go now is the um oh and there's feedback that you might want to mute yourself might be my dad <laughs> but uh um yeah, I think where I want to go is the healing behind the music. We were talking a little yeah. bit about it before we came in. And, um, you know, I think for me, as as a creative person who sees multidimensional realities, um, there's something about listening to Led Zeppelin that just completely takes me to a different space. And there's something really powerful about it. And I often wonder the heck were these guys doing? Because it's genius music. It's not like, you know, we just all love it, you know, because it's good music. There's more to it than that. There's all these layers. And I think that's what makes it so special. And there's only a yeah. handful of musicians out there that can make us feel that way. So there's something happening there. And, and, yeah. you know, it, it is healing. Like there are times where I need to get in my car and I just need to blast that music my my very favorite Led Zeppelin song is Battle of Evermore. There's something oh, yeah. so 
powerful and potent and and incredible in that song with the harmonies that just affects my whole being yeah yeah and so i think like you know what is it for you guys because you guys are drummers and i love what you brought up terry you know about about the healing part but even even the oc part because we're going to have jeff strong on next month and jeff strong for everybody who doesn't know him is a acclaimed drummer and a creator of the strong institute oh nice and, okay. yeah and he has he literally wrote the book on how to home record um but he also his institute heals autism and ocd and add and all those things through drumming so it's really really powerful stuff and i'd love to hear from both of you about how drumming has healed you how it's changed your life you know what is your thoughts on all of that I'm going to jump in. Yeah. That, yeah. What you brought up of, of Battle of Evermore is one of my favorite Zeppelin songs. And, and what I loved about all the albums or most of the albums is those, those interludes, those folky non drum, um, come down type songs. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, they like, it was it was like an aperitif or like a, a, a no I know it like a saltine you're gonna have to cleanse the palate before you move on to the red wines yeah and they're like beautiful and they they sound otherworldly and yeah. they almost sound out of place because you're like yeah Man, it was all heavy and then all of a sudden it's you know it's very uh, airy yeah, and yeah. so I I love listening to non drum Zeppelin tunes. Yeah, it. no, I, I do. I too, too. I do the acoustic bits uh, and going to California and all that. Like Tangerine um, and, and yeah, 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 Tangerine. I love, I love that too. Um, Man, you're making me think because going to California is another one of my tops. And when my dad took me to Page and Plant, I mean, it was it was Robert Plant by himself on stage sitting on a stool with all his golden hair and black leather <laughs> pants singing going to california and it just yeah. moves you it's like it's the ultimate it's the yeah. ultimate. yeah 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 those lyrics are really great too i i uh you know it, it is it is well I, th I think what happened with zeppelin was is you know like when crosby stills and nash came you know it's sort of like that easy listening thing came out around the time led zeppelin three rolled around you know like you know, and, and I think Zeppelin got lambasted for like, you know, and, you know, they're trying to kind of do like their little cry, you know, because critics always they need something to talk about, you know, and um, and there's no doubt. I'm sure at the time when they were talking about doing the record, they were probably like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm sure they were thinking about, Crosby, but they weren't necessarily trying to copy or it was just that time. You know what I mean? It was a real organic time. And, um, you know, granted, by you know, well, you know, what's actually what I really like is I really love on physical graffiti is. um is, is it Bronner? Not Stomp, but just Bronner? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, and I'm pronouncing it. I, I, I've I, had a Gaelic person that. try to tell me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one where it's got like the reverse effect on the Yeah. Oh, that's just beautiful too. I mean, that's just really rich and, and you know, um, you know, all that stuff. It, it's just, it's, um, but again, it's almost like even a song like that, you know, even with even like that, you know, Bonham could if he, you know, he probably could have they could they could have figured out a way to put drums on that where it probably wouldn't have sounded tacky. I mean, I, you know, even it's almost like, um, you know, Four Sticks is almost an acoustic song, but 
you know, the way that he kind of, you know, that's, that's a really interesting song in and of itself too. The whole four sticks, um, thing, you know, lyrically and, and the sound of it and how, how, and I think, you know, if it, you know, Zeppelin was what they used to do sometimes too, is they would mess with the speed of stuff too. Like I think what they used to sometimes they would track stuff and then they'd slow it down to like, when you, like on a tape machine, if you sit and, and, and let's say we roll the tape right now and we go boom, Boom. And you really, really slow it down. That is going to sound like, you know what I mean? When you really slow it down, it, it thickens it up. And I think there's certain recordings where they slowed the drums down to make them sound fatter and richer. But then what they also did sometimes would speed the vocals up. Like when you listen to the song remains the same on houses, the Holy, I mean, that is, if you were listening to plant singing the vocals, I can guarantee you that's not how, you know, if you were to slow that down, you can hear, but they did it for effect, you know. It's another tool in their toolbox to, you know. Um, I don't even know what made me go off the tangent of the of the <laughs> instrumentals. I'm sorry, but 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 you know, but they used to use the tape and my like instead of just the instrument as an instrument, you know, whatever it takes to get like the way I've always seen it. Like again, when I used to listen to the you know the early Zeppelin versus the later, you'd hear out you know or the or the or the Beatles' first couple records versus like Abbey Road. Um, you know, there's, it's, you, you know, you, the, the sound itself is almost an instrument. Do you know, like, like, mm -hmm. like if they, what I try to say to people is they, let's say they film the, when they film the Godfather, let's say if you go back in every scene in the Godfather that they ended up using in the theater in the final cut, that you had an iPhone and you sat right there, you know, with, with the picture and with the camera from there. And it was the exact take they used from the exact angle where that 35 millimeter camera was. It wouldn't be, it'd be interesting now as an after thing to see, like, because we've seen the Godfather and stuff, but it would, it, it, you know, the, the, the filters they put on the cameras, the sound, you know, there's so much, you can, you can call it the final product or you can find it, call it just the final thing. I'm just always, you know, mesmerized by the final recording itself. And you can, you can call it a book when it's done, the final you know, somebody finally finishes a book and they pull these chapters out. It's it's that thing or this movie. They pull these. This is the final edited. You know, it, it's like a it's like a um, it's a piece of art in and of itself. Apart from the fact that it has music on it, which is art. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Zeppelin really seemed to be cognizant of that when they recorded stuff. It seemed. You yeah, know, I think you know, what you're talking about is getting the right sound to get the right emotions. And, you know, that's what I was, I had trouble with my sound on my phone, but, uh, you know, I never really paid a lot of attention to the lyrics. When I would listen to Led Zeppelin, I was, you know, I would feel it, you know, you feel it throughout your body, you know. Yeah, right. Really zero in on the drums or, you know, whether it was the guitar or, or whatever. And it's the feeling you give, you get from it. And the spirituality, I think, is what Lisa was asking originally. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's spirituality, but it's 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 the emotion. It's the emotion that it drives within you to listen to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, right. It's some of my best thinking. You know, I spent my life as a salesman on the road. Oh and, wow! Uh, since, did a lot of thinking late at night with Led Zeppelin playing as loud as I could in my car. <laughs> you know? so yeah. it, it was just great. So, so this the sound engineer guys would call it like capturing the room, but. Like what Terry's saying, I think is is beyond room. It's like the atmosphere. Like yeah, it's all the air and space around it, and and there's some kind of energy in there, and and some bands capture it. Led Zeppelin's not the only band that. It, right, it. right. That's true. Um, 
they really captured that, which is why so many people referred to their sound as heavy. It's like such a heavy sound because you think, man, there's there's heavier bands or, and there's been heavier bands, but yeah, always be heavy because of that atmosphere. You know, like somehow they they captured this this intensity. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty amazing when you listen to those albums. Like they just never like they hold up to anything you listen to. You know everything's very digital and processed today. Yeah, and they still hold up, man. That's what I find amazing. Well, you know, with like bands like that, it's so much of it is like one plus one plus one plus one equals infinity. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, they wouldn't have been the same band at all if they didn't have Bonham, or if they didn't have John Paul Jones, or if they didn't have. You know, there's some sometimes so much to a combination of elements to make something that goes into it. You know what I mean? And that's why, you know, when Zeppelin, you know, they could have, I mean, God, at that time, remember, they were going to go on tour and jump on and pass away. I remember in Chicago, the Chicago Tribune, there was a full page ad. I can't remember if it was in the front section, the Chicago Tribune section, or it was in the Chicagoland section or whatever it is, or I think it was the front, I think it was the third or the fifth page. It said A&R, A&R Concerts presents in tandem with sup, sup, concerts west led zeppelin in concert at the chicago stadium and there was an order form you'd peel it out of the newspaper you'd write with a pen and you'd put your check or money order in you'd mail it off and they'd send you the ticket the day that that was printed in the paper was the day the news came out that john bonham died you know and they and look you know a couple you know it took what a couple what was it finally december 4th maybe uh so a few months later, they just said, "Listen, we can't." They what they, they had that statement. We can't continue it. They very easily could have, you know. They they could have, you know, the money involved and stuff. But they're like, you know, we we were just that was that one thing, you know, and that when he was gone, that was it, you know. And um, it's neat that I think Robert Plant and Jimmy Page did the stuff in the '90s because they in the '80s that didn't, you know, Jimmy Page was doing the firm and stuff, and I think Jimmy Page was had, had some problems, maybe some addictions and stuff. But it was really neat when they did the '90s thing. I, they had who did they have on the drums? Michael Lee. Yeah. They had and he had that really like a twelve by fifty, and he's since passed away too. Um, oh wow. Yeah, he but he was a great drummer. He, you know those guys. It was it was great, man. That was a heyday the the, the mid '90s. You know with, when those guys were doing their thing to get you know the lead and um, Page and Plant and um, yeah, but um, no, but tell, no, do tell Lisa, do tell more about like. About like you know you're talking about like the healing and stuff and like the remember you were talking about the um yeah you know it's kind of a funny thing I I am am a sound healer and it just sort of happened it's actually pretty crazy I so I did musical theater and sang in school and played the flute I think my dad was hoping I'd be another Jethro Tull so I was playing the flute all the time never listened to so much flute music as you did if your dad liked Jethro Tull um <laughs> but uh so you know I was really musical always I mean that's that's definitely something that's been a part of my life and I love music and I really love music that move like I like the heavy stuff I like stuff that's going to make me cry and it's gonna make me feel something like yeah feel I something really love that um I know the night of me and Scott's first date and we were talking about our favorite songs and I said well you know my dad's and my song is lucky man from the who right isn't that yeah. the who? Uh, ELP ELP and uh we used to sing it in the car and and sing about the lucky man and and Scott yeah. was like I don't even think I've known a woman to know what that song is and I'm like I love it so much so yeah, I love ELP. that stuff. 
Yes, I love yeah. that stuff so much. And I love the lyrics um, for me. So I'm a lyrics girl for sure. I really listen yeah. to what they're saying and how it feels. So anyway, what happened really naturally was I just started realizing that I could heal people with sound and it's become a huge part of my life and not sure where I'm going with it yet. But, um, you know, we got this gong, which is behind Scott here, and that was a pretty cool story. So the gong is a perfect alchemy between my husband, who's a drummer and me, who's a psychic medium. It's like this, this bringing together of our gifts and um, the powerful experiences people have had when we play it and how they feel when we play it and what it does to our nervous system. So it kind of led yeah. me to carry down this rabbit hole of like, wow, what is, what does this stuff do? Like, what does this stuff do? Because it changes your nervous system. It changes your brain waves. Um, and then Scott introduced me to Jeff Strong um, from the Strong Institute. And he's amazing and learned that there's so much with drumming that can actually change your brain waves. And he's come up with what's called brain shift radio. So he, he actually has a, a radio station where you select what you're experiencing, you know, are you having trouble paying attention? Yeah. Are you like your malady? Yeah. Yeah. What malady did he got? All right. We're going to put on, we're going to give you one. The lobby breaks, buddy. You know, Yes, like exactly. say 10 Hail Marys. Wait, no, let's play no quarter. No, I know. I know what you mean, though. That's that's brilliant, I think. Well, yeah, it totally is. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, what I see, Scott showed me this show. You're gonna have to remind me the name, Scott, but he showed, we watched this show with all these musicians who hung out in the basement and then they ate this really good food. What was that show called? You're losing me. What is is it a is it is it a Daryl Hall thing? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah is, and I was live like, at Daryl's, right? Or, yes. Uh, yeah. That's brilliant. That's, <laughs> that's so a brilliant. Great idea. And so that's what I want this show to be. And I'm so glad you were our first guest, Terry, because I really um well, I'm, I, the, I'm the absolute first guest. Yes, you're the absolute. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you meant just like the first sort of boneheaded drummer guest. Or something. <laughs> No, no, all right. So the first, our first guest, and this is our first episode, and this is going to be a monthly edition. So cool. I hope you come back because I think you're awesome. Well, well and, thank you. I, yeah, I'll come back. Yeah. And I just have this vision of Pulsension being this space where we can all hang out and talk about music and talk about how it's changed our lives. And like you, Terry, I would love to interview Robert Plant. So maybe between you and I, we can send out enough mojo because he did have a psychic that traveled with him actually on two separate tours. And he is very much that tarot card yeah, guy like, you're talking about and uh -huh. um my very favorite song that of his of all time is silver rider um and i think it's what band is that scott that uh -uh. it's his newer band what's it called oh i think the album was house of cards yeah i think so i think Oh, I can't either. I should know. But anyway, Silver Rider is my favorite Robert Plant song. It's so great. I actually named my car after it because I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, look that, I'll look that up while we're on here. I yeah, will look it up. Silver Rider. It's like my yeah. favorite Robert Plant song. It's super rad. There's also a Robert Plant song. Um, where he sings with Tori Amos and they actually redo Down by the Seaside or Down Oh, really? Yeah, and it's so awesome him and Tori Amos and they take it down and slow it down and and do a duet together and uh Band of Joy. Oh yeah, it's Band of Joy. So it's Robert Plant Band of Joy Silver Rider. 
Oh, the bandit. Yeah. yeah okay. You guys got to listen to that song. It's one of my favorite, but yeah, the Tori Amos, there was actually a, um, like a, a album where they did a bunch of remakes of Led Zeppelin songs with different singers and things, but Robert mm -hmm. Plant sang with Tori Amos doing um, that song and it was pretty epic. So it's definitely worth listening to too. But I think, you know, this is time flies in the Buddhist biohacker for sure. And I think, what are your parting words, Terry? Like, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking you guys to death. Like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, That's why you're here. That's why no, you're our guest. No, no, but I would say, you know, I just remember when I was a kid, I just remember how music, like, I remember, you, you, you know, like, it's so funny, like ASMR, right? We can, like, when people talk about ASMR, it's such a big thing now. But I remember when we were kids and I used to wait for, like, Sesame Street to come on or whatever, or, you know, you'd sit there or Electric Company or whatever the heck it was. But I remember there was this woman, and I, I don't know if it was a local Chicago, because it was in Chicago. We grew up in, in a suburb of Chicago. And she wore a leotard, and she sort of did stretching and stuff. And so she's like the ultimate. I, I haven't, I've never found her here on YouTube. I've never looked at But, you know, you have Bob Ross and stuff. Yeah. You know, like the, you know, but she had this thing where she'd be like, and at the time, I hated it. Because I was like, God, I want Woody Woodpecker on. And I watch <laughs> this, and I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. But, but I remember that kind of concept is when we were little. Like, I remember watching Bob Ross and I remember like kind of being like just that feeling of just like, you know, it's like it's like the it's like when you have your head gently rubbed. Not everybody likes that. You know, some people, like you know, you start rubbing the head. They're like, don't touch me. But other people, it's just so soothing. But music or even just sound sometimes, not even necessarily a chordal framework or anything, has that same just, you know, like when they tap, you know, like the clicky click, you know, like when they do the thing with the nails or. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's just something that, you know, some, I mean, often it's music that does, it does it, but sometimes it's just sound. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so sometimes there doesn't even have to even be like an A equals 440 or a, or a metronome marking or a tempo, but it helps. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I would just say that like, you know, like you were talking about that one fellow that has the channel where, you know, he uses songs. Uh, what's his the last name? Green. It's uh, uh Jeff Strong. Strong. I'm sorry. Okay, it's mm -hmm. Jeff Strong. Okay. I mean that's brilliant. You know, I, I don't know. Parting words. I would just say, you, you know, never. You, you always got to keep music in your life. Totally. You know. But what I was saying before, we talked about this before. Remember before we kind of went on air, and, and your pop had mentioned it. That sometimes, like if you're when you're in a bad place, if you know if you've had a wrong day, you have some stuff going on in your mind. You know what happens is sometimes fear and stress. Oftentimes, it, it your 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 brain doesn't know that it's not helping you by thinking something to death, because you know you think about it like you just think you have to keep thinking about it as if you know the only time you have to have to think your brain has to be that active. If right now, if a if a tiger came in the room and was lit like right now, suddenly a Bengal tiger was right there, was about it's okay then to freak out and do it, you know. But but I, I think sometimes with music. And stuff you can um i guess the point i'm making is if you're if you're feeling down don't listen to sad songs you know what i mean if you're yeah. feeling really anxious don't listen to death metal do you know what i'm saying <laughs> if you're feeling you you know what i mean because really i like i could say i know there's sometimes you know if, if if you know i know like you know with oc and with stress and anxiety and stuff and you know, if, if I, if there's, I can just tell if there's a day, if I'm thinking about something, you know, if a song comes on that I otherwise would like, you know, like the song Sailing, Christopher Cross. But if I, you know, have something happened or so somebody I knew passed away or something, I will 
absolutely actively not listen to that. Like you can actually be proactive with music one way or the other. Like prevent, you know, like they say, like people, places and things, you can protect yourself. You can't control them, but you can control whether you expose yourself to those things. You can also do that with music too. Like there's little tools you can do. I know it sounds so silly, but do you know the point I'm trying to make? Yeah, well, and it's not silly at all. I mean, I think it's really important. It is. It's important. I had a, a salesman, a real great salesman for me up in Montana. And when he felt down, he put on Christmas music. Oh, yeah. But, but no matter what time of year, he'd put on Christmas music. Yeah, you know, it just probably brought him back to that a time that, you know, like the opposite of a, of a, tra of a traumatic experience. You know, people relive traumatic experiences. You know, sometimes it's it's good to find things that were great that weren't traumatic. They were the exact opposite and try to re sit and spend some time with those. If you can sit and be burdened by something terrible that happened to you, you, you can sit, you know, it's like, when, it's like when, uh, I know this is going to sound inappropriate, but I just have to say it cause it just popped my mind. Do you remember in, um, the movie with Bill Murray, um, Groundhog Day mm -hmm. when he's like, you know, and I was with this girl in Tahiti. Why can't I live that day over and oh, <laughs> you know, but that kind of thing, like there's no law that says you have to, you know, you can do your best to get those bad things and stuff. But do your best to just not think about them. You know what I mean? And then proactively look for things like your friend with, with the Christmas music or sometimes somebody might, you know, um, you know, like they talk about, yeah, I was really upset. And I went to my mom's house and she made me a ham sandwich. And God, I haven't had a ham sandwich at my mom's house. Like sometimes then just sitting and having that ham sandwich or just even if you don't talk to somebody, even if. It can and you feel it when it happens. You can feel when that stress goes. You can feel yourself relax. There's like a certain feeling you get where it just feels like the um, just like the 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 cognitive dissonance. I guess I'll say just kind of gets sucked out of you, and it's a great mm -hmm. feeling. And yeah. you can work at that. You know, it's not. You know, you can try to develop some control with with music or with sounds or whatever. You know. Try to keep the the, the influences positive. Yeah, do, do you know what I mean? Totally. Well, yeah. and as the only girl here, I'll say, when a girl needs to scream, we put Alanis Morissette on, and we do. Oh some yeah, that's the, that's what I. <laughs> so that's our therapy too. <laughs> yeah, she's like the the patron saint of uh, of you know you know get get that anger out because it'll kill you. Yeah, sometimes you have to get it out. <laughs> you, oh, you do. You got to get it. That's what they say. Depression is is anger turned inside out. You know, for whatever reason, you decided not to, you know, to follow the normal route of getting it out. It just it all just stays in there and, and gunks you up, you know. So true. So true. Scott, what about you? Do you have any parting words of wisdom for us today? First show with your wife ever. <laughs> Here, words of wisdom is we'll uh, we'll run through the list of questions before we we roll tape. <laughs> oh yeah, for next time, like for that. <laughs> Dude, that's the beauty of live, though. I think it's so fun to just have organic conversations because so, so it's way more yeah, interesting than if you're like, oh, what's this, and then I'm answer. Go with um, I, I, number one, I lo I love um, I love jazz and I love improv. I really do. Yes. Sometimes that's when the best stuff comes out, and yeah. uh, so keep it loose. And uh, I, I think the community stuff that Lisa's working towards, right? To yeah. All together, 
Terry and I know the coolest guy in the band all the time is always the drummer, always. Without <laughs> exception. I mean, it's without fail. So it's easy for us to have a hang and, and you know, just shoot the breeze. Um, <laughs> keep doing it and get more drummers. Maybe we'll maybe we'll break and add a bass player or even a guitarist, <laughs> never a singer, but uh, we'll see. But I don't think bass players could handle being on a live show. <laughs> no, you just, just got to get the right, the right person. Exactly. Yeah. Something. Scott. But, so Terry, I want to thank you for doing this because it takes a lot of, uh, you know, it takes um, courage to just jump into this kind of subject matter and, you know, uh, the, the touchy feely stuff. And it, well, it happening. well, you know what the thing is, is you realize that there's like, um, you can remember the feeling, you know, when you're like with somebody and, and you know, like, and, and, and what happens is if you've worked together for somebody for a long time, eventually you get on each other's nerves and then somebody does something and then you shout at each other for a couple minutes. And then, but, but you realize the feeling of like letting that pressure out. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a pop back to equilibrium. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. you know, and there's no point, you know, this isn't the Puritan age anymore. We don't have to walk around and keep our, you know, we, we can just, you know, I mean, you can. You can just say what's on your mind. You know what I mean? You can, you know, I mean, if you, you know, if something bothers you, you say something about it. You know, they're, they're just because something has been done for so long and there's certain traditions where, you know, keep that stiff upper lip, you know, you know, big boys don't cry. You know, well, you know, well, let me just tell you something, you know, you cry for a reason. You know what I mean? You get upset for a reason. There's chemicals and tears that you get out. You know, it's anytime you ever circumvent a natural human emotion, there's going to be some repercussion down the road, I think. Especially if it's systemic, you know, if like constantly you always get subverted to, you know, feeling like you're the bad guy or, or, or the bad person. And when you're getting the, you know, I mean, those things, are, they're, they're terrible. I mean, they can really wreak havoc on you. And, you. and whatever it takes for us as people to, you know, to take it, to, to do something about it. Yeah. You know, it's good. You know, you realize, you know, you can do something about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we picked the right guest, Lisa. We did. <laughs> we did. Well, this would be cool. You guys are going to get real famous, and then it'll oh. be like when they had when they had Bill Murray to the first guest on uh, David Letterman, and then he was the last guest. You ever see that? Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I'll be the last guest. You guys will have like your oh, New York so. offices, and I'll be like, "Hey guys." Yeah, hopefully it's not next month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terry again. Terry Keating, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yeah, thanks, Scott. Thanks, yeah. you guys. Thanks, so Mr. Gunshore. Thanks, Lisa. I know yeah. Terry's got a couple of, of uh, elbow injuries. So, Scott, can you oh, yeah, yeah. off with a little intro to rock and roll? <laughs> no, rock and roll. On the spot a little bit. Oh, the, the, the rock and roll. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm going to do, I don't want to, I don't want to step on uh, Mr. Keating's bottom stuff. So I'll just lead us out with, uh, some funky beats. How about that? Yes, that's just play yes. on those yes. beautiful Gretsch drums. Yes. Yeah, so yes.
Yes. Oh wait, we gotta hear that. We gotta hear the gong. Can we hear the gong before? So we never heard the gong. Oh my gosh. We, we gotta hear the gong, Scott. That was awesome. But I just thought of me. We gotta hear the gong too. Hold Let's on. hear that thing. Is that uh, like twenty-four inches? Do you know how big it is? The diameter. Yeah, twenty-four. Twenty-four. Okay. Yeah, and it's tuned to the planet of Neptune. Oh, get out of here. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Neptune. Here I'll warm it up a little. Yeah, I think I only have one mallet here. No, no, that that's cool. Here, let me turn it up and when I hear that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great gong. Pisces makes great stuff, man. They do. They do. And look at that technique. Scott's all like, no, just let me show you when you play a gong. No, really. That's I, I'm always just kind of like, I remember back in this, and we're doing the, the Zeppelin thing, and you, you hit the gong for like Stairway to Heaven, like, da da da, da da da, da 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 da, and you hit the gong, and you don't have time to grab the mallet. So yeah. you just smack it with your elbow. Yeah, I'm guessing that's how you get injured, though. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you, I have so I, I have tennis elbow here and golfer's elbow here. But I'm just getting old, and I just have to, I just have to, you know, uh, stretch <laughs> and yes. deal with it, you know, because I'm not giving up drumming. <laughs> well, I know we've got to go, but I will say with this gong, there's actually these mallets that make whale noises on this Neptune gong. And it's super talk about some trippy sound stuff is making the whale sounds. And on this gong, it's like the most awesome thing ever. Oh so my God. That must be cool. Like the, like that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah. it totally does. It's pretty epic. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much, Terry, for being our very this first guest. And thank you to everybody who's watched. We're going to be back next month for Pulsension again with Jeff Strong, who again has literally written all eight editions of how to record music at home. Wow. Um, and he is the founder of the Strong Institute. So, and he's a real dear friend of ours and we love him so much. And we're gonna keep the drumming coming. If you haven't subscribed to Buddhist Biohacker, please do. We have so much going on on this channel. It's unbelievable. And we're back next week with huge guests next week. We have Aaron Abke coming on. Um, that's pretty exciting. And the founder of Dry Farm Wines, Todd White, is going to be on, one of our great partners and supporters. So thank you, Terry. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Everybody. Lisa. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Gunn. Yeah. Sure. And we are going to leave you guys with um, some information. I did create my own social media app. It is committed to nonviolence and non-divisive language. Please join Ajatakasha. It's a free community. It's it's just like Facebook and how it works, but it is absolutely not like that at all. There's no ads, no algorithms, nothing. And it's a spiritual community. It's beautiful. And we do have a Pulsension group. So for all of the musicians who are looking to collaborate, um, come on in. And uh, so much love to everybody out there. You guys, I know I love you so much. Have an incredible weekend and take care of yourselves.